Welcome one, welcome all to the Court of the Trashy Royals, where we assemble each week to reveal and revel in the tales of our betters behaving badly. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, Alicia here. Thank you for joining today as we continue our tale of Louis Mountbatten and Edwina Ashley, about to be Lord and Lady Mountbatten in this episode as we make it to their much-talked-about wedding and honeymoon. So many spiderwebs in this one, y'all are going to love it. It starts so well. It doesn't stay well. (laughs) Before we begin, we do have a few fine and good nobles to thank for a few different things. First up, our most recent supporters on Patreon. Thank you so much for joining us, Terry S., Casey K., Olivia K., and Amanda C. We are so grateful for you if you yourself would like early and ad-free episodes delivered on your own very special feed. Patreon.com slash Trashy Royals Podcast is the place to go. We really do appreciate y'all's support. I've got actually a double shout out. Go back up to Olivia K. Let's back up the bus. Sure. Olivia K., bless her heart gave me the relationship mapping. We talked last week about Audrey James. She and Dickie, Louis Mountbatten, had fallen in love. And she's the illegitimate daughter. And I was too much. Right. Audrey James and Dickie are second cousins. Audrey James would have also been Queen Elizabeth II's second cousin. George V and Audrey's mother, Evelyn, would have been half-siblings. Philip and Elizabeth were third cousins. There's so many cousins, y'all. So many cousins. Thank you, Olivia, for that added piece of information. You rock. I love a wedding. I love a honeymoon. (laughs) This is like the nicest thing that you're going to hear in the rest of the story, friends. Let us anon to Edwina and Louie and the bright future of our bride and groom from wedding to honeymoon. I feel like you're covering a very short period of time here, a wedding and a honeymoon. How long can this last? Six months. Okay. Yeah, it's an extended honeymoon. (laughs) Lots of spider webs. But let's get to the wedding first. I do love Mm -hmm. a wedding. I'm a sucker for a wedding. The wedding of Louis Mountbatten and Edwina Ashley was a major society event. It was the event of the season. How could it not be? The richest girl in England marries nobility you can imagine. The Daily Telegraph called this the wedding of the year. The Star referred to the nuptials as the wedding of the century. Hmm. It is early in the morning of Tuesday, July 18th, 1922. There were already 600 people gathered outside of St. Margaret's Church next to Westminster Abbey in London to witness the bride and the groom and all of their guests. Eight thousand people will end up showing up on the streets in different places to get a glimpse of the couple. Edwina the Bride is beautiful. The Times newspaper comments that, quote, a discreet murmur of admiration rose from the congregation as the bride entered on the arm of her father. The bride's gown was conspicuous 
by its combination of simplicity and richness. I'm glad her father found some way to be involved in her life at some point. Right. Of dull silver tissue cut on long straight lines with a wasteless bodice, mitten sleeves, and a round neck, its effect was of subdued splendor. There are many silent film footages on the internet of this. I added some in our links that you can always find on TrashyBroyals.com. The coverage of it is simply glorious. This Tuesday, July 18th, the day itself, just so you know, has no precipitation, no rain on Edwina's wedding day, but it's a Tuesday in July. Like, who gets married on a Tuesday in July? I did pull up all the weather records of Mm -hmm. London That particular Tuesday in July, we topped out at a very balmy 27.2 degrees, 81 here for us in freedom units (laughs) Celsius Fahrenheit. I guess it's not terrible, 81 degrees, but alas, the wedding happening. The guest list includes the wealthiest and all of those in the highest social standings in European aristocracy. The best man in the wedding was Edward, Prince of Wales, David. We later know him as Edward VIII. Here's the thing. I don't know if you know. These wedding pictures are a riot. Louis Mountbatten looks like a giant compared to David, future Eddie VIII. He's tiny. He's Hmm. short. He's like 5'7", and that's with a hat, I think. The internet just says 5'7". But the wedding pictures of these two are just sort of incredible to see the height difference. Naturally, David's parents, King George V and Queen Mary, were in attendance. Queen Alexandria was there as well. Also, the daughters of Princess Andrew of Greece, Princess Alice, her daughters, all the future Nazis, Mm -hmm. Princess Theodora, Princess Cecilia, Princess Margaret, and Princess Sophia are all bridesmaids. Successful wedding, Lord and Lady Mountbatten, as they are now known after the wedding, leave the church and will head to Brook House. This is Edwina's grandfather's home in London that her grandfather left to Edwina. She inherits the home. That grandfather, remember, she was very close to him. Sure, Sir Castle. Sir Ernest Castle, yes, Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. The home has been decorated with nine feet tall orange trees that decorates the home with delphiniums and carnations. 1,400 people come through the receiving line to congratulate the happy couple. That just sounds so exhausting. I mean, what a way to begin. And on to the honeymoon. The wedding's only one day. So you said, really, we're not talking about a lot. We're talking about a number of months because these two really do it upright. We're in all the good times still. The honeymoon, this little fun fact for you, officially begins at Broadlands. This is the country home of Edwina's father, located in Romsey, Hampshire. Edwina and Louis drive from London to Romsey and Broadlands in a brand new Rolls Royce. This is a gift to Louis from his bride. And crowds are lined along the streets. The bells of Romsey Abbey ring through the night. Louis says of the beginning of their marriage at Broadlands, it was, quote, four days of perfect, wonderful bliss. Now I want to dip into Broadlands just for a minute because this is really where my 
Trashy Royals juices get flowing. Let's get into this home for a moment. It's been around for a while, and Broadlands has a bit of Tudor history included, which I love to drop in where I'm able. Broadlands as a home is a great example currently of mid-Georgian architecture, but the original estate lands were a holy place. Romsey Abbey was next door. It was founded in 907. There's a Benedictine nunnery that goes next door to that. By the time we make it to the Tudors, oh, it's my juice, Henry VIII takes the manor home at Broadlands in 1539 with the dissolution of the monasteries. It remains in Henry VIII's possession. He passes away in 1547. Edward VI, his son with Jane Seymour, is now king. And Eddie VI is going to give Broadlands to his favorite uncle, Thomas Seymour, who will soon go on to marry Henry VIII's widow, Catherine Parr. Okay. Oh, it's so much. <laughs> oh, also, Tommy Seymour, sexual assaulter of Elizabeth I. Oh. Tommy Seymour, I can't even wait to get into the Tudors here on Trashy Royals, but Tommy Seymour, he doesn't hold on to Broadlands very long. He sells it in short order. The home will pass through some families to make it to Edwina's father by the time, hundreds of years later, when Edwina and Louis get married. But wait, that's not all I want to tell you about Broadlands. Louis and Edwina start their honeymoon there, and it's so glorious. They love it so much that it becomes royal tradition. You know that Louis becomes very much the father figure role model to Prince Philip. When Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth II get married, they begin their honeymoon at Broadlands. Hmm. When Charles and Diana get married, they also begin their honeymoon at Broadlands. Interesting. It's kind of a family tradition. And that, my friends, is only the wedding and the first part of the honeymoon. We're going to take a quick break here and we're going to come back for the six-month honeymoon that follows. This is exciting. We'll be right back. I love a honeymoon. Six months, though? Six months. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I'm taking this next bit from the LordMountBattenOfBurma.com website because it's too good not to share in all of its detail. They technically start off on their official four-month honeymoon. They get married in July. The honeymoon begins September, so it really is going to take about six months all told. Gotcha. Got to hire a pet sitter. Got to, like, all the all the things when you're going to be traveling. So much happening. Okay, we begin the honeymoon. After Broadlands, they're married. Fantastic. Let's, let us begin. Where do we go? The City of Love. Again, from Lord Mountbatten of Burma.com. After a brief stay at the Ritz Hotel in Paris, France, the Mountbattens went on to the Miramar Palace at San Sebastian, Spain, to visit Mountbatten's first cousin, Queen Victoria Eugenie Ina of Spain, and her husband, King Alfonso Thirteenth of Spain, who invested Mountbatten as a Knight Grand Cross of Isabella the Catholic. Then the newlyweds crossed war-torn France and on to Schlafswolfsgarten, Langen, and Hesse, to visit his Hessian relations, including 
Ducky and Ernie. Hmm. They didn't write Ducky and Ernie in the website. No, but you, you did that. <laughs> I did that. They go visit Ducky and Ernie. Mountbatten takes Edwina to see the castles and palaces of his childhood in Darmstadt and Hesse, which his father sold in 1920. However, Louis Mountbatten was saddened to see the Battenbergs' former family home in a bad state of repair as new owners had neglected the place. Okay, so that's the European leg of the tour. It's only just beginning. Continuing on from this website, get ready for spiderwebs. On September the 27th, 1922, the Mountbatten's boarded the SS Majestic at Southampton, Hampshire, and set sail for New York, USA. Oh. Although Mountbatten had last visited the USA, whilst accompanying his cousin, Prince Edward David, the Prince of Wales, and later the Duke of Windsor, this was Edwina's first visit. After a short stay in a hotel overlooking Central Park in New York, where they explored the jazz clubs, theaters, and an endless list of dinners. I've heard it's the greatest city in the world. Including meeting, are you ready for this? American baseball star George Babe Ruth, Dining with the Broadway musical and Hollywood film composer Jerome Kern. Hmm. Big deal. They then head to Washington, D.C., where they dine at the White House with Warren G. Harding. (laughs) That's not something to brag about, though. The then president of the United States. The Mountbatten's then head to, you ready? Niagara Falls, Hmm. Chicago, Florida, Kansas City. The Grand Canyon. That makes sense. Santa Fe, Salt Lake City, and then on to the finale, Hollywood, Hmm. which was to be the highlight of their travels. I can't even tell you how much this next paragraph excites me because of all the spiderwebs. Whilst in Hollywood, California, they meet the famous actor, Sir Charles Charlie Chaplin. Hmm. At the time, one of the biggest stars of silent movies in Hollywood, who wrote, directed, and appeared in a short film called Nice and Friendly, which included the newlyweds in leading roles. Oh, wow. They star in a film on their honeymoon. Why not? Mountbatten was taught the art of filmmaking by the award-winning director Cecil B. DeMille. Wow. Chaplin and Mountbatten appeared to have bonded during their week together. Charlie Chaplin tells reporters his new friends was, quote, such a nice, simple boy, unquote. And Mountbatten wrote to his mother, this would be Princess Victoria, Mm -hmm. stating that Chaplin was, quote, the most lovable, shy, and pathetic little man, yet so full of humor that he can keep one amused by the hour, Hmm. unquote. In Hollywood, (laughs) Louie and Edwina stay with their actor friends, Douglas Fairbanks and his wife, America's sweetheart, Mary Pickford, at their Beverly Hills home, Pickfair, which Mountbatten was to describe as, quote, like Buckingham Palace in London. Wow. It was the house that everyone wanted to go to, unquote. See, I thought somehow you were going to tell me that they stayed at the Garden of Allah. No, they probably visited the Garden. No. Might have. Garden of Allah wasn't there yet. Okay. 
Nope, still in development. It still would have been a private home from Ala Nazimova. Okay, goodness, presidents. After this, they go back to New York City where they stay for 10 days at the Vanderbilt's home at 645th Avenue. There at the Vanderbilt's home, they will celebrate Edwina's 21st birthday. And this is the Vanderbilt home that will house their children during World War II? Is that correct? These are the Vanderbilt's that will, yes. Okay. Maybe not the same place, but yes. Okay. Winding it down. We're almost, I mean, we've been on honeymoon since September. So after a whirlwind honeymoon, Mountbatten and Edwina returned to England on the 9th of December, 1922, aboard the RMS Olympic. That is the sister ship of the ill-fated RMS Titanic. Wow. Also on board was Harry Gordon Selfridge, informally called the Earl of Oxford Street. Harry Gordon Selfridge is the very wealthy founder of the fashionable London department store Selfridges. Okay. It's too much. (laughs) The Mountbatten's honeymoon lasted six months, and Edwina commented upon their return... Our tour has been a revelation to me. Everywhere we went in the world, we found friends who could not do enough for us. I shall always remember the kindness we received in the United States. I am now going to see my father at Broadlands. As for the future, we do not know yet. My husband will have to go where the Admiralty send him. Mountbatten would later say of his honeymoon that it was, quote-unquote, one of the most interesting periods of my life. Once their incredible honeymoon was over, it's back to England for the newlyweds to start their real life together as a married couple. We're going to take another quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the honeymoon being over. What could go so wrong? What could? We'll be right back. All right, friends, the thing I need to let you know is that married life is not too hot for Edwina. Edwina soon becomes bored and lonely and unsatisfied with her husband off at sea for long periods of time. Remember, Louis a working man. Yeah, and he's wanting to reclaim that first sea lord title that was stripped from his father because of his German heritage during World War I. Family legacies. Mm-hmm. Edwina, family legacy, she's got a lot of time on her hands. And a tremendous amount of money. She will use both that time and that money to get into quite a bit of trouble. Too bad Bezos hadn't rolled out Amazon.co.uk yet. Type, type, type. (laughs) (laughs) What started initially with Edwina's affairs would soon turn into a 38-year marriage that Louis Dickey would later describe this way. Edwina and I spent all our married lives getting in to other people's beds. Wow. It doesn't begin that way. (laughs) Let's talk about the honeymoon being over, and that is a capital O-V-E-R. After returning from their long honeymoon, the couple started to actually deal with the reality of being apart a great deal of time while Dickie was at sea. Sure. Edwina finds herself with Lots of time, lots of money. And we've met Edwina. She loves excitement and entertainment. Sure, she's 21. She's 21. Her need for adoration. She is not going to sit around and wait for Dickie to return. 
Edwina begins extravagantly entertaining friends at their home basically every weekend, and when she wasn't having a party of her own, she was attending parties thrown by others. Edwina is also a frequent visitor of nightclubs with her entourage of high-end friends. Sort of the Lindsay Lohan of her day? Higher friends than that. Remember we've talked before in our journey about the bright young things? Mm -hmm. That's Edwina Ashley. She's running with that crowd. Okay. When Dickie docks in April 1923, Edwina goes to meet him at the Grand Hotel in Plymouth. And they're thrilled to be reunited and both had agreed the next logical thing for them to do is... Have babies. Start a family. You got it. It wasn't long before Edwina announced that she was pregnant. Edwina returns to London, but pregnancy isn't going to get in the way of her good time. Andrew Loney writes, quote, And she danced every night with an old flame, Hugh Molyneux, heir to the Earl of Sefton, at a succession of nightclubs, the Riviera Club, the Grafton Galleries, or the Blue Lagoon, unquote. It is on February 14, 1924, Edwina gives birth to a daughter. They name Patricia Edwina Victoria. Dickie is with the Atlantic fleet at Madeira when he was informed of the news. He immediately writes a letter to his beloved wife Edwina. It reads in part, I could hardly hold myself in when I got the wireless message this morning saying that our daughter had been born. For a few days past, I felt convinced it would be a girl and was praying it would be, as I think it's so much nicer to have a daughter as one's first child, that I am a father I simply cannot believe, and oh, my dear, I am so excited I can hardly wait until I come home to see her. It is thrilling, isn't it, my dear? Bless you, sweet. If anything could make me love you more dearly than I already do, it will be our baby. What goes wrong? <laughs> Dickie is thrilled to become a father, but sure. Edwina really has no interest in being a mother. Hmm. Edwina didn't really have a mother as an sure. example. Like, you kind of understand it, but Edwina writes in her diary that she had given birth to, quote, a divine little daughter with lots of hair and the divinest little head imaginable and big blue eyes, unquote, but then includes in the next line that, quote, she could not wait to get back to normal, unquote. (laughs) Once Patricia was born, and feeling that Edwina had fulfilled her duty, at least for the time being, Edwina quickly gets back to business of enjoying her life. Mm -hmm. Patricia, baby, is left with her nanny, and Edwina dives right back into her life of shopping and parties and nightclubs and friends. Edwina's first outing was to Paris with her sister-in-law, Nada. Right. Talked about her a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Married to Prince George. Both ladies shopped and had dress fittings. Edwina and Nada then go to Antibes, where they stay at the Chateau de la Garope with several high society friends. Now, Dickie is not allowed leave until April which is when they decided that Patricia's christening should happen. Patricia was christened at the Chapel Royal at St. James's Palace, April 22, 1924. Her godparents were David, Eddie, Prince of Wales, mm-hmm. the Earl of Brecknock, 
Lady Patricia Ramsay, formerly Connaught, a daughter of Prince Arthur and granddaughter of Queen Victoria. Also there, Princess Louise, Dickie's sister and future Queen of Sweden. Edwina's sister, Mary Ashley. Lady Margaret Lindsay. Patricia wears the same christening robe that her father had worn at his christening when Queen Victoria was his godmother and great-grandmother. Oh, family traditions all over this one. After the christening was over, Dickie returns to his naval duties and Edwina gets right on back to her very, very busy social life. (laughs) She will attend Wimbledon for the ladies' semifinals, Ascot for tea with the king and queen, and then to cows with the Vanderbilts. Edwina attends charity functions, takes shopping trips to Paris, where she frequents Chanel, attends weekend house parties, and everything in between. One of her most frequent companions and best friends is a lady named Jean Norton. I'm going to bring up Jean Norton here just because it is going to fold in with everything coming in the next episode. Jean Norton was born Jean Kinlock. Jean makes her debut in London in 1916 and was considered to be one of the most beautiful and desirable girls of the year. At Jean's first dinner party, she sat next to a charming young man who would become her husband. His name was Richard Norton. He is the future Lord Grantley. Richard Norton is smitten with the young and beautiful Jean right away. He will write, I found myself like everyone else enchanted by the lovely Jean, then not 18, but destined to become acknowledged as one of the great beauties of her time. I can attest to that. Jean Norton is gorgeous. She's beautiful. Jean's look and fashion in 1916 was way, way ahead of her time. In 1916, Jean is already sporting a stylish wavy bob that becomes the signature style of the 1920s. It will take a few years, but by 1919, Norton convinced Jean's parents for her hand in marriage. Because she's young, and they're like, "Mm, we don't want to do that. And he's like, but please, 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 I love Jean. She's my favorite. And soon enough, Jean... Kinlock becomes the Honorable Mrs. Richard Norton, future Baroness of Grantley. Richard and Jean become fixtures of the post-war 1920s social scene in England. Beautiful, noble women like Jean Norton and Edwina Mountbatten literally were the celebrities of their day. Every move they made was chronicled. Every dress, every place they visited, every party, nothing went unnoticed. The article, An English Lady in the Roaring Twenties, the Honorable Mrs. Richard Norton from Storied Collection, describes Jean's popularity. In 1920, as a young bride, she was featured on the cover of Country Life with a chic bob and a demure expression looking away from the camera. Vogue tracked how she made country clothes chic, how she wore her hair, and her annual pilgrimages to Palm Beach and other watering places of the fashionable elite. Vogue praised her as the paradigm of the new beauty of the Roaring Twenties. 
The magazine instructed its readers to look closely at women like Jean to copy her weight elbows dug lightly into her hips, try to achieve her glamour, which effect the author attributes to her meticulous grooming and to study these new beauty crips bony hands that looked most natural holding a cocktail. Below the article, Vogue parodied Jean with an exaggerated sketch complete with arching eyebrows, dark eyeshadow, and a small mouth lined with black lipstick. The Honorable Mrs. Richard Norton is so beautifully sonnye as to deserve her invariable title of lovely, Vogue concluded. Now, mentioning before, the Bright Young Things. Big deal. We've talked about them in a number of episodes throughout our trashy brand. Jean and Edwina were two of the brightest of the Bright Young Things in the 1920s, and their stories intertwine. It is through Jean that Edwina will meet some of her paramours. Edwina, not wanting to be a bad friend, is going to return that same favor to Jean. These two were wealthy aristocrats, impossibly glamorous. They are staying slim through frantic exercise, activities like golf and tennis, hours of dancing every single night. Just like Edwina, Jean Norton would have many, many famous friends, along with many affairs with rich and powerful men. One of the most recognizable affairs that Jean is going to have is with my returning favorite, Lord Beaverbrook. So much coming. If that name rings a bell, you've heard about him before. He will be coming back up again. That, I think, is the wedding honeymoon, and the honeymoon is over part. Mm -hmm. We have brought Edwina, fulfilling her duty as a mother. She has a child. She's BFFs with Jean Norton. They're helping each other out. Lots of money. But I, I can already see that she and her husband have radically different lifestyles. Radically different lifestyles. And when we return next week, Edwina's affairs are about to begin. Hmm. Oh, it gets dicey. It's my very, very favorite stuff ever. Wow, that is... Uh... <laughs> That is a story of a marriage off to a terrible start, isn't it? Well, I mean, it started so well, and then it didn't. Mm -hmm. So we're going to leave it here today. Sure. I hope y'all enjoyed that one. Oh, I can't wait for the rest of this, though. On the cliffhanger of Lord Beaverbrook. <laughs> we will be coming back to you next week with Edwina's affairs, multiple in earnest. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this particular happier episode of The Couple. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you tuning in, listening for your kind reviews, for your support on Patreon, for generally just being truly awesome folks. Y'all are the very best. Absolutely. And thanks for telling your friends. That helps us more than I can say. That's exactly it. Y'all, we can't wait to see you back next week. Until then, keep your eye on that throne. Polish up that crown. Make it glow. Keep your eye on Edwina. Yeah. Holy cats. Big love, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.